0: Well, this morning I want to, I'm hoping to conclude on what I've been trying to conclude on the last two, three weeks. I want to conclude um, on our Vision Casting series and talk about servanthood. Servanthood, the heart of leadership. I'm only going to speak for a very short time because we want to do some ministry. We want to pray over all of you and also we want to take communion. So um, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 13. Verses 13 to 15, unfortunately I've been told we are still having problems with our um, computers and stuff. So please bear with us. So you're going to have to use your Bibles and uh, it's a good practice. John chapter 13 from verses 13 to 15. Our Lord says, you call me teacher and Lord and you say well for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now these verses, the background of it was that it was the last night before our Lord was betrayed. Um, Actually that night he was betrayed later on. And uh, he was having his final meal with them. And in this meal he instituted... What we commonly refer to as communion, but also he also demonstrated an act of servanthood, and wi- by which he also taught us to live a lifestyle of servanthood. So some churches, actually, in my old church, for instance, we used to practice foot washing once a year, foot washing service, and I quite liked it actually. But when we started CLF, um, somebody. Elder said, "Enough of that stuff." Um, so we didn't we didn't do it. But um, but uh, it, there's nothing wrong with having a full washing service. Maybe we should do it one day. Who, who 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 thinks we should copy the Lord Jesus and do it one day? Hey, you don't think we should copy the Lord Jesus? Okay. Anyway, all right. Well, who doesn't think we should do it one day? Aye. Some of the hands went up really quickly. I don't know what's happening over there. Hmm, anyway, Uh, anyway, let's carry on with our teaching, enough of the levity. So, from these scriptures, there are a few things I want us to recognize. First of all, the heart of a disciple of Christ is that of a servant, is that of a servant. We've already established it. Now, we've been talking about leadership and the essence that in the kingdom of God, leadership has to do with servanthood. So any man or woman of God, if you want to know if they are a genuine man or woman of God, look for the characteristic of servanthood. Simple. Now, you see, sometimes we allow our levels of discernment to be blinkered. And we say things like, we're all human and things like that. Of course, we are all human. But if I am a leader in the house of God, And the more senior we are, then the more of a servant we should become. That is true leadership in the kingdom of God. Unfortunately, in our context, even in our circles, even in CLF, sadly, many of us who are in leadership tend to want lordship as opposed to servanthood, tend to want to exercise authority, rather than demonstrate humility. And uh, it's very important that we understand that leadership in the kingdom of God is servanthood. Also, the kind of servanthood is not forced. It's not coerced. In other words, any man or woman of God, any leader, any disciple who seeks to be a servant seeks to be so willingly, It's a willing thing. The the, the Greek word translated servant, which is doulos, speaks of a man or a woman who is willing to be a slave to the Lord and to others. Say to your neighbor, I am your slave. (laughs) Somebody said it and did this whilst we're saying it. Now, the Lord Jesus, he demonstrated this kind of leadership when he washed his disciples' feet and taught us to do the same. He said, You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. One of the things about servanthood is, and we'll touch on this later if we have time, it does not deny a person's position or a person's authority. Or their reality. In other words, if I am your servant, it does not mean I don't know who I am. I don't know the authority I have. He said, you call me teacher and Lord and you do well. It's right. I am your teacher and I am your Lord. However, even though I am your teacher and I am your Lord, I have not behaved as your Lord among you. Here is the interesting Um, paradox. In the kingdom of God, when it comes to leadership, we must honor the elders who rule among us, according to Scripture, especially those who labor in the Word with double honor. So when it comes to the man or the woman of God who is over us and who labors in the Word, we should give them honor. In fact, we should give them double honor. So the elders should be honored, but when it comes to those who minister the word like I do, <laughs> right? then I should receive double honor. And people like me should receive double honor. However, look at you looking at me. Hmm. Where are we going here? I'm telling you the word of God. I'm not going to lie. So I minister the word, so I should receive double honor. However, I as a leader must never have the mindset of entitlement. Where is my honor? Where's my double honor? It's not happening today. Come on, bring it. Because if I have that mindset, I have missed what it means to be a true servant of the living God. Do you understand? So, from my perspective, I should never have a mindset of entitlement that expects people to honor me double honor. I shouldn't have that. But from our perspective, when we look onto men and women of God, who are over us, we should seek to give them double honor. So the Lord says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher, that's really interesting, the order. They called him teacher and Lord. But when he referred to himself, he called himself Lord and teacher. You see, it's very easy to be instructed by someone, but it's one thing to submit to them. So he was their teacher and Lord, But he was, to him, he saw himself as their Lord and teacher. Selah, Selah. You know what that means? It says, calmly pause and think about that. He says, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now, foot washing in those days was the task given to the most menial of servants. In fact, it was a child's task. Slaves who were children were given the task to wash people's feet because in those days, because of how dusty the, the um the terrain was, when they would come into people's homes, their, their feet was really dusty and it needed to be washed, otherwise, they were going to make the, the whole place um, dirty as well. So that task was given to the lower class slaves and the children at that, but the Lord washed their feet. And it's very interesting to me because when you look at the whole narrative of what took place, you find that he was washing their feet and nobody said anything until he came to Peter. And then Peter said, no, you're not going to wash my feet. And then he said, if I don't wash your feet, you're you're not part of me. The point I want you to notice is this. The Lord, one of the things that the disciples was very used to with the Lord was him serving them. He was very used to it. So even though the master thought, what is he doing now? They, it wasn't so strange that he was serving them. Because he, was, he said in another place, I am among you as one who serves. I am among you as one who serves. So in other words, they were very used to seeing him serving. Here's the other point. And this really speaks to me as an elder in the church and as a senior minister in the church. And it's this. I wonder whether the people that I serve see me as a servant or as a Lord. They see by my example, whether it's that of a servant or whether it's one of a boss. He has arrived, so everybody's quiet. I remember, i never forget this. Once I went to a church, I went to a church to minister and I got to the church and, uh, you know, they guided me and I sat down and someone was speaking like I'm speaking. Then suddenly... The whole church started clapping. So I thought, okay, I've missed something. The anointing must have fallen. I don't know what's happened. They were just clapping, clap, 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 clap. And then I noticed why they were clapping. Because the bishop had walked in. And as he was walking in to take, you see, they were clapping. And I thought, how bizarre. Now, please, don't start clapping when I walk in. Because I will run out. Terrified. What's happened? I think that's bizarre, personally. So the Lord was not like that. He wasn't, they weren't clapping any time Jesus walked by. He was amongst them as one who serves. And he demonstrated that and then said, do what I have done. So on that note, I want us to turn to Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 11. Please help me with the time. I think I've got 20 minutes and that's all. Well, you didn't actually eat to my time, so it's 20 minutes left. So, (laughs) yes, I am right. Philippians chapter 2, from verses 3 to 11. Now, I want us to look at a few guidelines about servanthood from these verses. Eight key guidelines. And then we're going to pray. Because as we go into the year, the rest of the year, we're now in February. We want to just pray over all of you. And ask God to grant you the grace to serve, to serve, whether serving him, serving your fellow members, or serving your world. To have that empowerment, to be a servant, not a Lord. No, 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 no. We don't want to be Lords. And honestly, for me, um, I am very scared of God. I love God dearly, but I'm also very scared of the terror of the Lord. The scripture says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. I don't take it for granted when God speaks to me. I don't take it for granted when the Lord tells me to do something. I'm very scared. And if there's one thing I am scared of, is to stand before the Lord and for him to tell me, Joe, you really were full of yourself when you're on the earth. You know why? I already know I'm full of myself and I'm trying to empty myself. So I don't need to, on the last day, hear that. I don't want the Lord to tell me, Joe, you, you in all your ministry endeavors, it was all about you. It wasn't about me. You know, I already got my issues. So I want to deal with them as much as possible. Are you, st- are you listening? Before I stand before him. So this issue of servitude is something that I want to embrace. I am seeking to embrace. And I want to embrace because it will protect me from myself. Say to your neighbor, you need protection from yourself. Come on, say to somebody else, you need protection from yourself. <laughs> All right, so let's read from Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 11. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Wow. What a, what a verse. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider a robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and, be, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and giving him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. So here are the guidelines I want you to see. Number one, servanthood rejects selfish ambition and conceit. It rejects it. Verse three says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. In other words, Pride, self-interest. Don't do things out of selfish ambition. In other words, wanting to promote yourself or wanting to do what? Prosper yourself. You see, it's so contrary to the system of this world. You know, we even, we even talk about self-improvement. Self-improvement. And in one sense, it's good to educate yourself and develop yourself. But he's talking about aspirations that put ourselves first rather than God's will and God's purposes. I tell you what, you can do ministry. I've been doing ministry for many years. Since 91, I've been doing church planting. And when I got saved in 82, up until after two, three years, I was doing ministry. And I know a lot of times I did ministry Out of selfish ambition, out of conceit. I'm better than you, I'm better than them, I'm more dedicated in prayer than them, I'm more dedicated in fasting than them. Yeah, look where it got us. I'm more dedicated, I'm more dedicated in in this than that. I'm a really great soul winner. And you become conceited and you judge others unrighteously. And we've done that. I've done that. Say to your neighbor, he's done that. I've done it. Yeah. But servanthood rejects it. So anytime you see it, you must reject it. So anytime I see it in me, I seek to reject it. And I tell you, to be self-aware is very difficult. To be aware of yourself and how you think and what you, why you behave the way you behave is very difficult. It takes revelation of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it does. Because most of us don't even know ourselves. We don't know why we talk the way we talk, why we behave the way we behave. And if you really strip it down, you would see there's a lot of vainglory going on. It says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. This is a paradigm shift where you see others better than you. No, they're not better than me. They're not. I'm better than them. (laughs) This is is the, the normal man. No, 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 no. If I sit in an exam with him, I will beat him. I'm better. I can play better. I can sing better. Maybe, but are you a better husband? Are you a, a nicer person? You know, if there's nothing more horrible, and to be honest, off-putting, it's a gifted person who is really bad, Not work, you can't get on with them. Have you ever worked with anyone like that? They've got, they're really skilled, they can really teach, they can really preach, they can play instruments, they can sing songs, they write songs, they get prophetic revelation, they do apostolic, authoritarian business. They're really amazing people. What else do they do? What else do they do? They can write, they make brilliant tea, they can cook, their wives are always boasting about them. And then they are full of themselves on top of it. They know it, and oh, they are tall, dark, and handsome. It's not right. Such people. It's not right that they are allowed to walk the earth the way they do. Yeah. Sometimes I look at some people and think, Ah, this is not fair. Look at their height. Look at the way they are walking. Look at them. Look at them. Look at their size, their height. You know, if I had that, if I, if I was a bit taller, and then we try. If I was taller, you would have seen something. <laughs> in God's kingdom, our motivation must not be out of selfish ambition. It must not be out of vainglory or conceit. In Matthew 10:42, our Lord says, Whatever, whoever gives one of these little children only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple surely I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. You know, in God's kingdom, every little act is significant. Every little act. From the world's economy, it has to be dramatic. It has to be sensational. It has to be fantastic for it to matter. But in God's kingdom, every little act. Therefore, a servant doesn't care whether they have prominence or they don't have prominence, whether what they're doing is seen as fantastic by men or not. They don't care. They're only concerned about what honors God. Secondly, servanthood looks out for the interests of others without ignoring its own interests. Now at times this is where we get it a little bit twisted. We think that servanthood means we ignore our families, we ignore our commitments, and we just serve the church and serve people and just Pour out our lives for everybody at the expense of our families. That's not, that's not biblical teaching. True servanthood looks out for the interests of others as well as its own interests. It does not ignore to have a bath if it needs one. Are you still there? Because sometimes... It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a parable, by the way. It's not, I wasn't being literal. Because sometimes... You are so concerned about cleaning other people, you forget to clean yourself, to, to wash yourself. So, servanthood looks out for the interests of others. However, it does that. It looks out for the interests of others. He says in verse 4, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Servanthood is happy to work in the background and is not interested in being recognized or honored by men. Oh, I tell you what, that's not easy. I don't care what anybody says to me. I don't mind being honest. I pretend at times, oh, it doesn't matter, don't worry. I don't. But why haven't they said thank you? No, no, come on, I did that for them. Why haven't they said thank you? Uh, Pastor Joe, did you actually receive the gift or not? Which gift again? Oh, you were the one who gave me the, uh, was it a red scarf? I don't like red scarves. Oh, you don't know? Okay, fine, that's it. Uh, please, if somebody's giving me a red scarf, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just popping something out of the air. My point is that we all like to be appreciated. Come on, who doesn't like? Even the Lord says, where are the nine? I healed ten, where are the nine? Where are the nine? He healed ten lepers and only one came back and he wasn't even a Jew. He says, where are the nine? So even the Lord likes to, to receive thank you. But you know, servanthood is not looking for the acknowledgement of men. It's not motivated by that. It's nice to receive appreciation. We all need it. I need it. We all need it. Say to your neighbor, he needs it. Yeah. But it is not overtly consumed with the need for center stage or being in the limelight. Again, I will use myself, and I use myself a lot because, you know, It helps you to understand that we are human. Much of my struggles growing up in church was my desire and my need for center stage because of my call. Because I was called to stand before people. And so because of that, often when the pastor is preaching, I see myself there. How many of you? Come on, be on there. So only only one person. How many of you like someone? not me, but someone else is preaching, so let's just use someone else. And then you think, no, I should be there. Or I could be there. Okay, fine. Wow, you're a really holy people. But you know what? For me, it wasn't like that. You know, it wasn't like that. And then when I wasn't asked, I would get even more upset. So somebody would be asked. Sometimes it was people who, you know, before they came to the church, I was in the church. I was waiting in the church before them, and then these upstarts will come, and then they will be asked, come and give a word. And I'll be like, what on earth? And they'll come and give some rubbish word, and it's me, and I'm there, and I'm like, they haven't asked me. They haven't asked me. (laughs) There's all of that going on, because I was thinking of me. And then when they would ask, they would always ask me at the wrong time. A time when you know I didn't want to be asked. Maybe I have mean, done something naughty? Seen something I shouldn't have seen. Maybe got into a fight. No, not really. I wasn't that good. <laughs> Did something. Then when I didn't want to be asked, they'll say, Joe, can you come and share a word? And I'll be like, it means, no, I can't. But I said, yes, sir, sure, of course. Yeah. Not knowing that was how God was training me. My point I'm making is that servanthood does not look out for his own interests. He doesn't. It looks out for the, it doesn't just look out for its own interest. It looks out for its own interests, yes, but the interests of others. And it looks at others as better than itself. Three, number three, servanthood is rooted in a Christ-centered mindset. It's rooted in a Christ-centered mindset. Verse five, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. When you are thinking like our Lord, you will have a servant mindset. Because the whole discourse that he's teaching is encouraging us to embrace the way Jesus our Lord thinks. See, because you are a new creation, his nature is in you. His nature is in you. Don't let anybody tell you something different. You know, in in, um, 1 Corinthians 2.16, he says this, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So for us as the children of God, we need to know that because we are born again, we can think like our Lord Jesus and servanthood is rooted in a Christ-centered mindset. Number four, servanthood has a humble estimation of oneself. Verse six says about our Lord, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. In other words, our Lord Jesus did not deny his divinity, He knew he was God. He knew he he was divine. He knew he was equal to God the Father. So he was a servant from a posture of knowing who he was. You see, I know by the grace of God what has been conferred upon me. But it should not cause me to be proud. It should cause me to humble myself. And you should know what has been conferred upon you. In your field, you are probably an expert of some kind. Don't say, I'm not really an expert. Yeah, you are an expert. I was saying to someone the other day, you're an expert. They said, no. I said, uh, you know, they had a degree, so they're an expert. I don't have a degree in that thing, so I'm not an expert. (laughs) They're an expert. You might not be the best expert. Don't deny who you are and what God has given to you because you're seeking to be humble. Our Lord Jesus did not deny his divinity. In fact, he was so clear about it that when he was challenged, he said, no, I am the son of God. I am the son of God. You know, he even quoted a scripture which is very controversial. He says, if you call them gods to whom the word of God came and the scriptures cannot be broken. How can you say to the one who the father sanctified from the beginning and sent to the world that I have blasphemed because I called myself the son of God? Servanthood has a humble estimation of itself. True humility is the accurate estimation of oneself in relation with God and others. True humility. You see yourself the way you are supposed to as God sees you and in relation to others. Also, true humility is the embrace of reality. When you walk in humility, you see things for what they really are. You know, I don't know about you, but many times I get it wrong. I think that this is the thing. And then maybe Aisha will say to me, no, this is what I was thinking. And to me, no, you you couldn't have been thinking that. You must have been thinking this. And she'll say, well, this is how I was thinking. So at that point, I either have to swallow my pride or call her a liar. So which one do you think a wise husband would choose to do? (laughs) Number five, servanthood involves identifying with those who are less fortunate than us. Verse seven says, he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of a man. Our Lord identified with us as human beings, even though he was God. True servanthood will look to identify with those who are less fortunate than them and will be flexible and how they serve them. Paul the Apostle says something very powerful. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 22, he says, in the next five minutes and then I'll be done. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant of all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became a Jew, that I, may, I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under the law toward Christ. By the way, he was under the law toward Christ. Those people who teach that you are under no law when you become a Christian. He was under the law towards Christ. There is no law against those who, who walk in the love of God, but they are still under the law of Christ. So you can't use rituals and ceremonies to judge them, but they are still under the regulation of Christ. He says that I may win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I became all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. But notice the foundation. He made himself a servant of all. You see, true humility... And identifying with those less fortunate means you'll be flexible. You'll be flexible. You'll be adaptable. Because one of the things I've learned in ministry, not everybody, believe it or not, is like me. Not everybody is like you. Not everybody will see it the way you do. Not everybody will have the same lens as you do. And as a pastor, I have had to learn over the years to adapt. And I'm still learning. And sometimes it is not easy. Sometimes you have to really ask the Lord, give me wisdom. Honestly, at times I, I am totally lost. I don't know what to, how to handle many situations. I say, Lord, please give me wisdom because I'm lost. Now, when you come to me, I look all intelligent and everything. Yes, don't worry. Yes, uh-huh. Okay, uh-huh. Yeah, hmm. Okay, let me just talk to the Lord. Normally, that means I ain't got a clue. So, you have, to have learned, you have to adapt to everyone if you want to be a servant of everyone. Now, the truth is, some of us, we can be servants to many types of people, but not certain types. There are certain types of people we have no time for. Are you still there? If they are racist, we have no time for them. If they've committed an abominable crime, we have no time for them. Are you still here? Yeah. But actually, no, that's not the way. We are to be a servant of all, even the most obnoxious of people. You know, one of my areas of weakness was a prejudice towards upper middle class people of any race, of any race, upper middle class people. Ghanaian upper middle class people, and there's a lot of them, I'm telling you, you may not know, they just used to tick me off. Used Used to tick me off. English upper middle class, Chinese upper middle class. I don't know why you're laughing, I'm telling you. Any upper middle class person that I perceive to be so, you might be proper working class, but if I thought you were upper middle class, that was it. You were marked. And I've had to repent and keep repenting. I don't know who you've got the bane against. I don't know. It could be pastors. It could be church members. It could be family members. But you have to learn to be a servant of all. Quickly, two more. Servanthood is committed to wholehearted submission, even to the point of death. He says in verse 8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. True servanthood in the context of the kingdom of God means we're willing to put others first, even if it means we lose. it's not easy. I'm not teaching these things because I think it's easy. This is a life pursuit. This is a life pursuit. We want to be like Jesus. Forget the other stuff. We want to be like the Lord. We want to embrace his way. I'm serious. We want to embrace his way. That's what we're chasing after. That's what discipleship is about. That's what our leadership is about. That is what we want to empower you to commit to from a lens of servanthood, completely foreign to our Western culture and the way we've been brought up. Yeah. He humbled himself, became obedient to the cross. True servanthood means we're willing to put others first even to the point of death. And there are sometimes there are sometimes certain requirements mean we will die. Paul said, I die daily. So yeah, the ultimate sacrifice is giving your life, your natural life. But as a child of God, we have to learn to die daily. Die daily means that you allow yourself to be lost. Hey, it ain't easy. Say to your neighbor, I'm conquering this in Jesus' name. Yeah, some of you just whispered, just, I, I saw you, I saw you. Say, point to them, point to them. Say, I'm overcoming this in Jesus' name. I'm overcoming. Yeah, yeah, come on. All right, we're nearly done. Number seven, servanthood ultimately results in divine promotion. Verse nine, therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. You see, our Lord was not promoted in his divinity, as God, he was already all-powerful, all-knowing, all of that. But it was in his humanity. His exaltation, his humiliation and exaltation was as a man. And he was promoted and given the highest name. But it came as a result of him being willing to serve. And here is the interesting thing in the kingdom of God. We do not earn our salvation and become his sons. We are his sons by new birth. And we're saved by grace through faith. However, it is by our faithfulness through servanthood that we are allowed to access the kingdom. Yeah. So you find in many of the parables, the parables which are very discriminatory, you will find that after they did something, something will happen. So for instance, the parable of the sheep and the goats. Matthew 25, verses 34 to 36. He says, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Why? For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And they replied, When was this? And then verse forty. Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You read the parable of the talents earlier on in Matthew 25. You see, the servants that were given access to cities were those who were faithful with a measure of talent that was given them, and they were servants. The point there is this servanthood will allow you to access kingdom privileges that are already yours as a child of as a son of God. You see, many of us, we know truths like you shall cast out demons, you should do this and that, but we don't see it break out of our lives because we're not willing to serve in the purposes of God. That's why. But you will do that in Jesus' name. You will break through in Jesus' name. And last but not least, servanthood results in the name of Jesus being glorified through us. Verses 10 and 11. That at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Beloved, the glory of God the Father is not in hallelujah, thank you Jesus. The glory of God the Father is when he is glorified in us according to John chapter 15 verse 8 as his disciples bearing much fruit. Jesus is exalted in us when his nature is being expressed through us. But the ultimate glory that Jesus gets from our lives is when through our lives, people are coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus, and through our lives, people are being transformed to become like Jesus. That's the greatest glory he gets from our lives, beloved. So I conclude, and I say to you, that there is a call on your life to be his disciple. That call means you are called to be a leader. And that leadership means you are called to serve and be a servant. And as you do that, and throughout this year, as you commit to that, I believe that by the end of this year, you see a significant difference in your life as a child of God than when the year began. Amen.